0: And can, I, can everyone hear me? Can I get an amen if you can hear me? Alright, just making sure. We're in this fifth message from the most famous sermon of all time, the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus preached this sermon, and in this particular part of the sermon, Jesus was talking about judging others. Judging others. Has anyone ever accused you of being judgmental? Show of hands, Anybody, everybody accused of being judgmental. I think one of the biggest criticisms that non-Christians have of Christians is that we're way too judgmental. You ever heard that before? The Christians are way too ju- We judge everyone's behavior, and they hate that. And they may not know the Bible very well, but let me tell you something. They know Matthew 7.1. Matthew 7.1 says on the screen, Judge not that you be not judged. They love to throw that in our face and say, look it, Jesus said, you're not supposed to judge us. You're not supposed to judge at all. But we're going to find out today that's not true. That's not true at all. But are Christians really more judgmental than others? I think, yeah, there are some Christians out there that are pretty judgmental. We call them holy rollers and Bible thumpers. You ever heard that before? Yeah, they roll over you with their holiness and they thump you upside the head with their Bible verses that usually start off, Thou shalt not do this. Thou shalt not do that. And they do that, I think, because it helps them feel better about themselves because they're trying to obey all the rules. Really, it's just the modern day Pharisees. right? They're trying to be perfectly obedient. And we know, well, if you've been listening to the Sermon on the Mount, We know Jesus made that not possible. The bar was here for the Pharisees. Jesus raised the bar way up high and said, you can't be perfect. You need grace. (laughs) You need to have faith in me. Sadly, when we judge other people, it pushes them away from the love of Jesus. In fact, I I actually hate it when Christians judge non-Christians. So I'm going to help out... If, any, if you know any non-Christians, or maybe you're here today and you're, I'm not a Christian, but I'm here listening. I'm here because someone dragged me here. Or, you know, I, I, I need to be, you know, I'm just here. Well, here you go. Don't use Matthew 7.1. If you want to really give it to the Christian, use 1 Corinthians 5, 12 and 13. Because when you use that verse, as you'll see today, it says, specifically, Christians have no business judging, condemning those that are outside Of the church and it does say Christians have a huge responsibility to judge those inside the church which is why I gave this title judge me please not judge me not but judge me please because judging in God's church is a must as long as we do it correctly correctly we can't judge harshly we don't judge by appearances we don't judge with hypocrisy And we definitely don't judge with condemnation, because that will divide the church. It will destroy the church. We have to judge with spiritual discernment. We have to judge with humility, love, and redemption. And when we do that, folks, we strengthen the church. We build up the unity of the church. So this morning, I think it's important that you see and know and understand all of the questions that we have about judging. The who, what, where. Why, when, how Christians should judge in the church. Are you ready for all that? Let's pray. God, help us today to hear your words. Help me, Father, that I become less and you become more. That your Holy Spirit will speak to us. That whatever we have going on in our lives today, we can lay it down at the cross. We can put our trust in you. We can put our faith in you. God, we don't have all the answers, but we know you do. And we have a a loving Father who sent his son Jesus to die for us. We thank you. It's in his name we pray. And everyone said. Before I dive into this really important topic of judging as Jesus taught it, I want to, to, I think it's important to just tell you what I won't spend time on, and that is judging people based on your faith. Now you think, well, what does that mean? Well, in Romans 14, 13, Paul explained this because there was a lot of judging going on in the church for for what we would call, um, I I don't know, for lack of a better word, a trivial sin or an opinion-based sin, a faith-based sin. If you read Romans 14, you'll know what I'm talking about, but let me just give you verse 13. Paul said, don't pass judgment on one another any longer. Not saying that we don't judge each other but rather decide, don't put a stumbling block or a hindrance in the way of a brother. You see, there were some things that, you know, in some, some churches or according to the law were not good, and, and it, was, it was the old way, sort of, I guess you could say. For example, specifically, um, Romans 14 would explain that a Christian's faith might tell him drinking any alcohol is a sin. And if he thinks that, then he should honor God and not drink any alcohol. But if you are a Christian and you don't believe that is a sin, you have scriptural support, it's okay to have a glass of wine. You're okay with that. Then go ahead, have a glass of wine, have a beer. But don't judge one another based on that behavior. Here I'll give you another example, perhaps a modern day example. If you think getting the COVID shot is the right thing to do because it honors God, then you go ahead and get it. But if you don't think it is, then don't get it. But neither side should be judging one another if you're convinced that what you're doing is honoring God. As Christians, we can't judge others based on their faith, our faith, their opinion, our opinion. And I say that that's somewhat somewhat trivial compared to what we are supposed to judge one another on, which is what I want to address today. Does that make sense at all to you? All right, cool. Number one question. Whom do Christians judge? Try to put everybody into three categories. Not that anyone likes being put in a category, but you're either a real Christian, born again, authentic, have the Holy Spirit in you, all right? Or you are a fake Christian. We have lots of those, unfortunately. Or you are not a Christian at all. And the, the, the bottom line is, is we are to judge real Christians and fake Christians, and we're not to judge non Christians. The Apostle Paul spent some time in Corinth, the city of Corinth, and the church there had some really big problems. You ever read 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians? Man, they had some problems there, right? Nothing like this church, man. They, they had problems. <laughs> they had a lot of immature Christians. And Paul addressed their problems, their issues, because they also had a lot of fake Christians. Basically, they were claiming to be Christians, born again by the Holy Spirit. But their lifestyle said otherwise. In 1 Corinthians 5, verse 11, Paul says this, I'm writing to you so you will not associate with anyone who bears the name of brother, If he is guilty of sexual immorality or greed, or is an idolater, a reviler, a drunkard, or a swindler, don't even eat with such a one. Listen to that advice from Paul. Don't even go to lunch with that brother, so-called brother in Christ. Verse 12, Paul says this, What have I to do with judging outsiders? Is it not those Inside the church, whom you are to judge? God judges those outside. But purge the evil person from among you. To me, that's about as clear as you can get. It's pretty straightforward there. Paul tells us whom we judge. We judge the real Christians. We purge fake Christians. And I don't get the wrong idea. We don't look to kick people out if you're not living the right lifestyle. If we see someone is in sin, we show them the way. I'll explain this today. If they don't repent, you can't let them stay. You can't let them sit amongst others and pretend that what they're doing is okay when it's not okay. Then you treat them as non-Christians. And then when they're not a Christian, you don't even judge them. And here's why you don't do that. Why not? Why don't we judge non-Christians? Now you're thinking, too, come on, man, pastor, why can't we pick on those pagans? Because they're already judged by God. You don't need to judge them, all right? You don't need to tell them how to live their life. Because the truth is, even if you're really good at helping them pretend to be a Christian, you can get them out of the pig pen, you can make them smell real nice, clean them up, But I'm telling you what, they're going to return to that pig pen and roll around in the mud because that's their nature, and that's where they want to be. You've got to show them a different way. John explains this, chapter 3, verses 18 and 19. Whoever believes in Jesus is not condemned. But if whoever does not believe, you're condemned already because you've not believed in the only Son of God, Jesus and then verse 19, this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people love darkness rather than light because their works were evil. You don't need to judge non-Christians. They're judged already. What are we called to do instead of judging non-Christians? If you're a Christian today, what, how are you supposed to respond to those that don't have faith in Jesus Christ? The answer is simple. Be the light. Be the light. That's what Jesus says to Nicodemus here. Be the light. He said it on the Sermon on the Mount, in fact. In in, uh, Matthew 5, he said, You are the light of the world. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so they will see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. You shine your light, that means you show your love. We must be People who show our love to those that don't know Christ. If all you do is judge them, you'll just push them away. You've got to shine your light. You've got to show them your love. So the next time a heathen cuts you off, a pagan flips you off, and a dilator chases you off, just resist the urge to judge them. And just remind yourself, they're already judged. They don't need you to do it too. If you shine your light, show your love, you just might be the one who leads them to saving faith in Jesus Christ. And they just might become a new creation. But if you judge them, it won't happen. But if you love them and you pray for them, it could happen. And isn't that what we're called to do, church? That's right. Now, before I move on about whom we should judge, I should also mention this interesting verse in 1 Corinthians 6 three, which if you've ever read it, you thought to yourself, what? And that verse is, do you not know that we will judge angels? Isn't that a fascinating thought, as a side note? By the way, angel just simply means messenger. And I suppose there's lots of reasons why people think we would judge angels. Um, I think mostly because we are made in the image of God, redeemed by Jesus. They are not. So perhaps we have a higher position than angels. They have come to, God sends them to serve us. We are the saints. But we could have that conversation another time. It's an interesting one to think about. Second question. What do Christians judge? And the answer is, we judge actual sin and we judge authenticity. Authenticity. In every church letter in the Bible, The author, at one point or another, basically says, you need to look out for false teachers. You need to look out for fake Christians. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 7, 15, beware of false prophets. How do they come to you? Do they wear a t-shirt that says, I'm a false teacher? No. They come to you in sheep's clothing. They come to church. They dress up and they look like us. But inside they are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. By their fruits. And sometimes it takes time before you see what fruit comes out. The church has this extreme responsibility to judge. That means discern, not condemn, but judge Discern fake Christians, and real Christians. The parables teach that basically we will continue on until Jesus comes back and real and fake Christians will be in the church until Jesus comes back. So we have to continually judge, discern the real from the fake. Do you know the best way to discern real from fake? I give you the example of counterfeit specialists. When they investigate a possible $100 bill that's fake, they don't do it by comparing it to the real like this. They study the real thing until they know it like the back of their hand. And then when they look at the fake, they're able to spot the mistake. See, we have to do the same thing as Christians. We have to know God's word so well. That when someone preaches something else, when they take something out of context, when they have their own agenda, we can spot that. That's how we do it, because we know the Word of God. Because we belong to a church that teaches the Word of God as its main priority. Do you belong to a church that does that? That's right. Takes practice, though. Hebrews 5.14 tells us those have their powers of discernment trained. By constant practice to distinguish good from evil, it takes practice to discern the good from the evil. So we must judge authenticity, and secondly, we must judge sin. Uh, I know, unfortunately, Christians, even though we become uh, bought by the blood of Jesus, we still sin, don't we? Um, and we confess it, which is what we should do. When First John one nine tells us we confess it, God is faithful. And he purifies us when we confess it. But we're taught, even by Paul, examine ourselves daily. Go into your prayer closets and pray and ask God if there's any offensive way in you. And repent. We have to do that all the time, daily. If you don't see it, well then, the church should help you see it. Uh, Don't be the one, though, that thinks your spiritual gift is to point out everyone's sin. (laughs) All right, that's not a spiritual gift, all right? But you cannot go on living in sin. There's a problem when you do that, and I'll explain that in a bit. Let's go on to question 3, where and when? Where and when do Christians judge? The best part about this question is that Jesus answered it very straightforward. Matthew chapter 18 verses 15, 16, and 17. If you've ever been in a church as in leadership or if you've ever been a part of a church that practiced actually did church discipline, then you'd be familiar with Matthew 18, verses 15, 16, and 17. Jesus said, if your brother sins against you, you go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. At first, you make it a private matter. You sinned against me, brother. You're sinning against the church, whatever. This is is the problem. You you, you need to fix this. This is an issue. It's affecting others. If he listens to you, you've gained your brother. But, If he doesn't listen, then you go back to him with two or three others along with you. I recommend an elder be in there with that. Elders are the protectors of the church, the teachers of the church, the leaders of the church. Every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he still refuses to listen, then you tell it to the whole church so the church understands. If he refuses to listen even to the church, well, then you treat him like a non-Christian. And that's when you expel them from the body of Christ. This is the way to handle sin in God's church. Do it prayerfully, privately at first, then publicly if it needs to be. And it should be done when? Well, as soon as possible. Because rumors fly, right? And that divides churches. When churches gossip about that stuff, it's not good. Where and when? Fourthly, why... Do Christians judge each other? Why? The question of why? Personally, I'm not a big fan of confrontation. I like to avoid confrontation as much as possible. But, (laughs) I will do it if it's important. If it's important. Do you think it's important to protect the church? I do. I know some of you do. It's very important to protect the church. Therefore, we must judge the sin. If it's hurting the church. First of all, it hurts the individual believer. So we must protect the individual believer. Okay, 1 John 1:6. If we say, this is John, 1 John is, is wonderful uh, when it comes to this idea of fellowship with God, broken when we live in sin, or pretend that we're not living in sin. It says verse 6, of chapter 1. If we say we have fellowship with God, while we walk in darkness, we lie, and we don't practice the truth. It can't be any simpler than that. You can't pretend that everything's okay if you're walking in sin. You can't think that you're going to have this awesome relationship, real personal relationship with God, if you're walking in darkness, if you have the secret sins in your life. You can't walk with God if that's what's going on in your life. Your fellowship with God is broken when you don't repent of your sin. And to further make the point, John says in chapter 3, verse 9, verse John, No one born of God makes a practice of sinning. Now, don't take that out of context. It doesn't mean that we don't sin. We make a practice of it. For God's seed abides in him. He cannot keep on sinning. He's been born of God. Will you find yourself back in the pig pen sometimes? Will you get mud on your face? Yes, you will. But you are not comfortable there. That's how you know you're born of God. Because you are uncomfortable when you are in sin. And you want out of that. And you repent of it. And you run from it and you seek help. That's how you know. Born again Christians... Get out of the pig pen. They grow up spiritually. So we must protect the individual believer. And we must also protect the church. Because honestly, the church can be very fragile. Very fragile. It just takes one sin from one person that will scatter the sheep and divide the church. You've been a part of a church split. So unfortunately, it seems common these days that people have been a part of that. And it's no fun and it's ugly, and it's not pretty, and it's sad. It's sad that the evil one can tempt a person, just one person, and they make a mistake, and then it divides. So we must protect the church. If a sin goes unchecked, and boy, have we heard this happening, we just let something slide. Oh, that's just so-and-so. That's just what they do. No, that's not just what they do. We must deal with it. It will hurt the church. We can't let it go. We have to deal with it. The church elders are the ones who lead the church in judging sin. We have to protect the church. It's our calling. Lastly, how. All right, here's the application, the part that everyone loves. How do we do this? How do we actually judge one another? I have three things to say about this. First of all, not with hypocrisy, and that's what Jesus said. Here's the text, Matthew 7, verses 3 through 5. And don't you know it, I forgot my log. I was going to give you a great demonstration. I was going to have a big old log hiding behind here. In verse 3, why do you see that speck in your brother's eye but don't notice that big old log in your eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there's a big giant log in your own eye? You hypocrite, take that log out of your own eye and then you'll see clearly, take the speck out of your brother's eye. How many of you have read that before and thought that was interesting? Yeah, some of it's plank, that, take that plank out of your eye. What is Jesus saying here, right? He's not saying that only sin-free people can talk about another person's sin. He's not saying that at all. He's saying when you judge, don't judge harshly. Don't judge with hypocrisy. As we say, what comes around goes around, right? You read Luke 6, and you see Luke records the same words of Jesus, but he also talks about What's measured out to you, all right, or to what you want to measure out to someone else, that's how it's going to be measured to you. So we don't judge with hypocrisy. We judge with humility. With humility. If you're going to judge someone's sin in the church, if you're going to go to your brother and say, listen, this thing that you're doing, this is a serious thing, and I'm doing this to protect you, you do that with so much humility. Think about Philippians 2.3. Don't do anything from selfish ambition and conceit and humility. Count others more significant than yourselves. If you're going to a brother who's in sin and you see what's going to happen if they continue in this lifestyle, you're thinking of, like, this is what I would want someone to do for me. This is how I'd want someone to do it. I want with humility. And you go to that brother or sister and you let them know, With humility. And you better be on your knees praying a whole lot before you go. Humility. On your knees. Humility. Humble. That's how we we go and judge. Secondly, not by appearance. You know, they saw Jesus healing on the Sabbath day, which blew their minds, made them so angry. You're not supposed to do anything on the Sabbath, they had so many rules. Don't even carry a needle. You might start sewing. I don't know. Whatever. But don't do anything on the Sabbath. And Jesus was healing people on the Sabbath. And they didn't like that. And they judged him by what they saw. And Jesus said in that very same passage, John seven twenty four: Do not judge by appearances, but judge with right judgment. Well, how do we judge with right judgment? Well, the answer to that is, we don't judge by appearance. We judge with spiritual discernment. We don't judge with our eyes. We judge with our spirit. And guess what? 1 Corinthians 2.12 tells us, we have not received the spirit of the world, but we have the spirit that is from God, so we might understand the things freely given us by God. When you have the Holy Spirit living in you, that's what makes you born again, Christian. You can have the ability to spiritually discern. Judge is the word. Matthew 7, 6. Jesus went on to say this after the speck in your eye and the log in your eye. He said this, and it doesn't seem to go together. It seems like, was this a change of thought here? But when you look at it and you understand it, you realize, nope, it's a continuous thought here. He says, do not give dogs what is holy, Do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn and attack you. Well, what's a dog and what's a pig? It's an example of those who didn't believe, those who are not believers. How do you know someone's not a believer? Unless you have spiritual discernment, unless you judge correctly. That's what Jesus is saying there. We don't judge by appearance. We judge with spiritual discernment. Thirdly, we judge not with condemnation. John chapter 8, there were the holy rollers brought, and a woman caught in adultery. They caught her right in the act, and they brought her to Jesus. They knew where to find her. They knew this was her lifestyle. She was a sinner. They brought her to Jesus and they said, listen, Jesus, this woman's been caught in adultery. Moses tells us in the law, we should stone her to death. What do you say? And Jesus, of course, said those famous words. He who is without sin, cast the first stone. Right? Then he said to the woman, this is the part that's important for us. Jesus stood up, said to her, woman, where are they? Because what happened was, is when he said that, they all left, one at a time. No one was left, just him and her. Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. And he said, Neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, sin no more. So we see how Jesus handles full-fledged sinner, right? He talks to her about saying that. I'm not going to condemn you, but don't keep living this way but I'm not going to condemn you. I want to redeem you. I want to redeem you. You see, that's how we judge. With redemption in mind. With redemption. Galatians 6.1 You should underline that verse in your Bible. Brothers, if anyone's caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. We judge Simply to redeem. Everyone knows John 3.16. Well, just about everybody probably knows John 3.16. God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten Son. Whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. You know what verse we don't read? The next one. <laughs> Anybody memorize John 3.17? No, we all know John 3.16, but 3.17 is very informative. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world but in order that the world might be saved through him. Do you remember God condemned the world before? The flood. And he could have sent Jesus to condemn the world again, but yet he shows us sinners his great mercy. Shouldn't we show our brothers and sisters in Christ the same mercy? That's how you think when you go and judge others. We do it with love, with redemption. We do it to protect the church, never to condemn. It makes sense that the very next thing Jesus taught in the Sermon on the Mount was the golden rule. Everybody knows the golden rule. Verse 12, so whatever you wish others would do to you, do also to them. What I taught you today, I think, is what God wants you to know about Judging, how you judge one another, why you judge. All the questions that you have about judging, I hope, were answered. Because when you get it right, when we get this right, church, we show the whole world God's redeeming love. We show them that we can love one another and yet still point out lifestyles that don't match up with what God wants. This is how I can say to you, judge me, please. I'm not worried. If if I am in sin, you better judge me. The other elders in this church better come to me and say, Pastor Matt, you are not living the way you should be living. And I will accept that. This morning, I, I know God might be speaking to you. There may be something on your heart. Maybe you came to church this morning thinking, boy, I just need to get this off my chest. I, need, I just need to give it to God. I can't carry this around with me anymore. Maybe you heard something this morning and it, and it triggered something inside of you and you're thinking to yourself, I, I need to repent. I need to just, I, I need forgiveness this morning. If that's you, if there's something going on in your life, when we sing this final song, I want to invite you to come forward. These steps can be your altar. I invite our team to come up and prepare This final song, whatever is burdening you, just hand it to Jesus. As we sing this song, you'll hear these words, you know, turn your eyes to him, look full in his wonderful face.